Hey, welcome to the Salt Motor Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. Don Maeda, and today I'm joined by my good buddy Jordan Troxel, who is Ken Roxon's mechanic on Team Honda HRC. So, buddy, thanks for coming on. It's been a it's been a hassle getting you on, but uh, <laughs> it's finally happened. Yeah, sorry to be the pain, but uh, I finally made it. Yeah. So, yeah, we worked it out. Nice. All right, so I will say, you are the first factory mechanic on the Swap Model Live show. Wow. Congratulations. That's a, another yeah, that's pretty another cool. accolade in your career. Yeah, I guess it, it pays to have friends, huh? But <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few more and probably some, some bigger fish after this. I think but, so. Hey. I think some bigger fish in 2020 for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, so man, um, I've, I've been friends with you for years, but like, how did you get started in, uh, in tuning? Were you a, a aspiring pro racer that decided, oh, I'm not going to cut it. I got to find another way to stay in the sport or? Um, yeah, kind of. I think that's a lot of our stories. You know, we grew up racing and, um, you know, same with me when I was, you know, eight, I think I started racing and I carried it through high school and, you know, it, it wasn't going to pan out. That was, mm -hmm. that was obvious early, but, um, I tried the college thing for a while. And then, um, I was kind of always, always that kid, uh, that went to the nationals and the supercross and just hung out on the outside of the, of the fence of the truck and, and watched the mechanics work and just kind of slowly developed a passion for that. And then, um, did a couple quick years of college and was just like, this isn't for me. So mm -hmm. uh, ended up going down to MMI and just trying to put the, the dream in place and kind of started there when I was mm -hmm. like 20. So what is, uh, what is MMI like? Is it like just a college for mechanics? I mean, yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting place. I mean, it's kind of one of those schools where you get out of it, what you put into it type of situation. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you're serious and um, you want to learn and, and, and everything, the, the teachers will recognize that and then they'll kind of start to, you know, weed the ones who are just there on, on mom and dad's money mm. or, or whatever. So it's a weird collage. It's kind of like every, you know, so every small town's got one badass in it that, that grew up where they're racing street bikes or dirt yeah. bikes or something. So take every one of those small towns in the country and, and put them into one school. So it's a, it's a pretty eclectic group, I guess. Yeah. Is there different uh, majors in an MMI? Like, is it like a college? Like you have some guys that want to learn street mechanics, one guy's um, dirt. No, they just had it split up by manufacturers. So it was, okay. it was a four Japanese manufacturers at the time and Harley Davidson when I was mm -hmm. there. So. so no Austrian class? Um, nope, not at that time. I don't know if they have a, a KTM Husky class uh -huh. now or not, but. And did you, while you were there, were you studying with the intent of being a race mechanic? Yeah, that was kind of my goal going in is um, I told myself from day one, like I don't want to go to a dealership. I don't want to take a job that I'm not happy about. I'm, I'm passionate about racing and that's where I mm -hmm. want to be. So um, it wasn't, it doesn't transition like straight into that. It's not as cookie cutter as you go there and you kind of just come out and go to a factory team. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a good 10 year gap in there. Yeah of hard work before. What was your uh, progression then, out of school? Um, yeah, right out of school, it was kind of one of those things where I, uh, I didn't take a job at a dealership and I waited a couple months actually for like the right job to come available and mm -hmm. I just started going to all the winter series races there. Uh, I graduated like January. So those winter and springtime, I was just going to the track every, every weekend and trying to offer some free help and um, met uh, Shea, uh, Shea Bentley. Okay. had some kids um, that he was kind of helping out down there and 
kind of hooked up with him and made friends with him and um, just helped some of his kids until you know some my name and my resume got to the right people and, and I finally got a phone call to uh, to go help a little kid on 50s mm-hmm. in Lake Whitney and uh, I took it and just used that to network myself into my first real job for Ronnie Goodwin. Okay, so Ronnie Goodwin was uh, he was a Las Vegas guy. Yeah, Las Vegas guy in so. Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Um, Pretty good B-rider at the time. Yeah. His dad got a hold of my resume and um, called me. And actually, I went out to race Minimoto. I was still racing pit bikes at the time. And, um, yeah, I went out there and, and met them and just ended up staying right there and started working and eventually moved everything out. And um, that was one of those pretty cool, like, defining moments for me. And I was a 21-year-old kid, and uh, I basically shoot, uh, showed up and... His dad gave me the, the keys to the 40-foot fun mover and, like, six <laughs> bikes and a 16-year-old kid and was like, hey, you guys are leaving in two weeks to, to go uh, do, like, a three-month run um, to get his Pro-Am points, to get his Supercross license. So here's everything. Like, so don't mess yeah. it up. you got to learn quick. So okay. that helped me. You may know of this then if you are with him at that point, but um, you remember Ricky James? Yeah. You know, the crazy paralyzed guy yeah. riding the bike with the – cages around his legs but we were at comp edge riding one day and i always used to like worry about him you know and so i used to ride behind him or in front yeah. of him and uh and ronnie like got real close to him really and like i don't remember he didn't knock him down but he got real close and i was just like so mad that like someone would do that <laughs> to ricky that went up and i was yelling at him like yeah it's like not a moment in my career i'm proud of but you know i was fired <laughs> I up because i was protective I'd... over ricky james you know and i was just like dude yelling at him and then a couple weeks later i'm at supercross and ronnie's dad comes up to me and goes hey you proud of yourself yelling at threatening a 16 year old boy i'm like oh man i'm sorry <laughs> you know it's just no i didn't i didn't out. Story, i thought maybe you're like aware no, of that because you're i wasn't there that time so. okay so from ronnie goodwin where does it go um we did um so that was 2008 mm-hmm. and um did uh the pro-ams and some amateur national stuff with him and um then he ended up getting hurt uh dislocated his hip um kind of told me that he wanted to go back to college mm-hmm. and kind of he w- didn't want to do the racing thing anymore so um through his family and doing the amateur stuff i hooked up atlanta courier and their family mm-hmm. and then um i ended up moving over to atlanta courier when he was a red bull yamaha kid mm-hmm. and um that was pretty short-lived there's only a few months there six months or so um, springtime nationals with him and then he got real sick and, and we kind of parted ways and then um, actually went through like a quick couple month uh, like burnout phase where I had been on the road for like a year and a half like yeah. straight out of the gate living in motorhomes and living with other families and and being 22 at the time like I just didn't have a lot of personal space I just was like man is this is this really what I want to do and took a couple months off and uh, went and hung out with my buddy in Florida and then um, Ronnie started riding again by the end of the summer and was like, hey, I want to do like the last four nationals. You want to come back and help me out? So mm-hmm. I did that. And then that kind of led me back into working with him for the 2010 Supercross series. Mm-hmm. So. And then was your first like factory gig, was it Troy Lee KTM? Um, yeah, so uh, I did that with Ronnie and, and then I did some time with Naveen down at Honda Houston. And then... Um, Corey Martin, the truck driver at mm-hmm. TOD at the time, I made friends with him and was always trying to get in the door. And finally, a spot opened up for Geiger. 
-hmm. and he called me and and I was in and I just packed everything up from Texas and and drove straight out and just showed up at at TK's desk and was like, I'm here to work, let's go. Yeah, nice. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back uh, for more with Jordan to talk about wrenching for a female. Welcome back to the Swap Model Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. My buddy Jordan Troxel's here with us. And uh, so your first big breakthrough is working for Tara Geiger WMX racer. Yeah, right? pretty much. Um, coming out to work with the TOD team in 2011, um, I got put with Geiger. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did 11 and 12 with her and uh, kind of did double duty with Jesse as an amateur at that time too. So mm-hmm. um, those were two really fun years. Um, you know, you know Tara a little mm-hmm. bit. So she had a great personality and, and we had a lot of fun and just kind of hung out with some of her friends down here in Carlsbad. And um, yeah, and then did Jesse's amateur stuff. So yeah, it was a pretty good start there. Yeah. So that was like the pinnacle of WMX racing, right? Because I mean, at that time, Assey was factory Honda. Yeah, that was that those few key years where they had um, a good series and there was money in it for them, so there was probably four or five of those girls making some good money. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was a good time for for the sport. I mean, it was short lived, but yeah. yeah, they they made it happen. How uh, how serious did the team take their WMX entry? Like, was she on the same bike as say Cole Seely at the time, or was it a amateur level bike? Yeah, it was probably more like an amateur level bike. Uh, they were pretty close. We just kind of had a cookie cutter motor package from, mm-hmm. from Pro Circuit then, so. Um, got a few small things, but, um, and some suspension set up for her, but we didn't do a whole lot of testing or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, really. It was just kind of me and her figuring it out, and that was, was pretty simple. That's cool. Um, when you were at MMI, obviously, you, it was already the start of the four-stroke era, so did you even, like, study any two-stroke stuff? I really didn't, no. We went over it real quick in theory, and, um, yeah, but I was kind of, I went there and, 2007 so we were we were kind Already of past fully the, yeah past the two-stroke phase yeah um okay so then you started with jesse in the uh amateur stage of his career and you were with him through everything he did as a pro um, um not actually no um kind of just the way that the team was structured and and people were paired up um me and jesse separated when he came up to go pro um, mm-hmm. actually he got pulled up early because cole was hurt yeah. So uh, he went with Cole's guy, Rich, for a while. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
Then he had another guy for a couple of years, and then um, it finally worked out that the way the pairings and the splits happened, that uh, me and Jesse got put back together in mm-hmm. 15 when we switched to KTM. Yeah, and you had to be happy about that because Jesse's super cool kid. Yeah, I know we had a, a, a great relationship, and uh, we had a lot of fun together. So it was kind of TK was like, hey, you know, we called it the dream team. Like, you and Jesse want to get back together, and we were mm-hmm. both on board right away. And um, had a really good off season that year, and then um, kind of shared our first win together there in yeah. 15 at A1. I remember, <laughs> remember when you guys switched from Honda to KTM, yep. uh, Jordan Powell, and I got together with yeah. Jesse to do a video. And Jesse was so distraught about <laughs> switching to KTM. Do you remember that? Uh, there was probably a, a quick phase, but yeah. Because yeah. I mean, we did this video and he was like, oh, yeah, it's really, uh, really cool getting on KTM. You know, <laughs> like Honda was the dream, but this is cool too. Yeah. I remember TK like hit the roof and made us re-edit that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I could see Jesse causing yeah. <laughs> some of those. And then do you remember he did a big burnout and burned out his tire at the end of the yeah, video? Yeah, I remember and, the phone call about that one too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously, you know, uh, Jesse's a great friend to both of us, but what was it like to work for him? Was he a, a real enjoyable guy to work with? Uh, yeah, super fun, great personality, just brought like a, a really cool energy to the track and practice days and things like that. And, um, you know, to maybe his positive and, and detriment, like he was really easy to read. So he always kind of wore his heart on the sleeve mm-hmm. and, and you could just tell where he was at with emotions and during the day from practice to race and things like that. So um, that helped me out and, and we got along great and mm-hmm. um, kind of was able to feed off of each other. You know, I listened to him and yeah, was able to listen to me as well and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was a really good pair. Okay, factory mechanics sometimes, you know, you take more care of more than just the rider's bike. Sometimes yeah. you're like, you know, you have to make sure he's got his drink here and this and that. Were you ever, were you ever put in charge of his thumb? <laughs> no, I, I was like, that's his responsibility. Yeah. Like, because it was funny, he only had maybe one maybe yeah. one good one like most of the time so like he had to take it everywhere so it was seriously like sometimes it was like hey like where's the thumb <laughs> like you got your gear and all this but i mean we'd literally have to call him sometimes or whatever and be like hey you got your thumb yeah so it was kind of a joke around there okay so for uh people that might not know jesse nelson he lost his thumb and uh, crashes amateur, right? Still yeah, in minis, I think. Still 80s or something. But uh, he had a carbon fiber prosthetic that he used to strap on. It was a Velcro strap, right? Well, or, or yeah. It, no, it wasn't Velcro. It was like a, a carbon thumb with some you know plastic or rubber molding in it. Yeah. And it kind of wrapped around his palm, mm-hmm. but it just stayed in his glove. Oh, in his glove. Yeah. So he would, okay. he would put it on and put the glove on and then just it would stay okay. in the glove all day. Help yeah. him keep from going forward. Yep. I remember one time we were uh, we went to Skyline to ride mountain bikes <laughs> to shoot photos. <laughs> you know, it's it's cool because you could joke with Jesse about yeah. stuff, you know, but I was just like, that was in the era before the single speed, 12 speed. Yep. I remember we were riding, I'm like, hey dude, how do you shift your front gears? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's all uh, It was funny. He like didn't wear it when he did mountain bikes a lot. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was well, it's just like seriously, how do you shift your front gears? Stuff. Yeah, but um, okay. So obviously, you know, it was a very tragic day when he was injured at Unadilla. Yeah. Um. I remember I I texted you because you yep. know, it said Jesse was hurt, and I was like, Hey, is he okay? How how is it? And you wrote back, 
it's it's serious yeah you know so then right then for some reason it clicked to me that he was yeah. probably paralyzed or broke his back but um i'm sure that had a huge effect on you that day yeah for sure um i, I remember that day at, at unadilla i think i was on my way to the hospital or, or maybe still at the track when i got that text from you and i knew kind of your experience going through it with your brother mm -hmm. so i could tell you were concerned and and um yeah i didn't want to speak too much at the time but um yeah, I mean, that was obviously a very heavy day, and mm -hmm. and um, it kind of, you know, maybe me and Jesse were already close, but maybe brought us closer, and then yeah. one thing I felt like it, it really changed was uh, my and Tyler Keefe's relationship. Um, we already had a good relationship and mm -hmm. everything, but um, we kind of both just, like, you know, stopped everything and, and sat in the, the hospital for three days, four days up there or whatever, and then it just kind of both made both of us figure out like hey this is what comes first so mm -hmm. um that was cool in the sense that we were kind of i felt worked together better after that mm -hmm. me and tk so um no that was cool and then obviously it was tough um kind of one of those situations where you know i haven't told a lot of people this but for you know 20 years at that point like moto was my life and Every time maybe something was tough or whether it was a relationship or, or whatever, like moto was what I turned to, whether it was mm -hmm. me riding or me working late at the shop or something like that. And then kind of, I kind of got mad at the sport for a little bit mm -hmm. after that because I felt like it was the first time the sport was like, you know, yeah. screwed me over and, and took something from Jesse. So I was a little bitter about it for a while, but um, luckily, you know, it, it passed and, and within mm -hmm. a couple months, I was able to, you know, refocus and, and get focused back on, on Alex in the next year. So. Yeah. Man, I, I, you know, Jesse's, uh, Ryan Walters put together that awesome yeah. documentary and I was, I was watching it. And when you came on, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, I think I was, I was my bad. I was watching it yeah. on my phone while I was driving. <laughs> but you come on and you're talking and I'm like, dude, I got super emotional. Yeah. And I was like such a heavy thing you know to, yeah it, to, it definitely was and a lot of people have kind of reached out about that <laughs> that video and you know told me how awesome it was and um yeah it sucks when you know you really sit down and think about it I still get emotional about it and mm -hmm. um it's just kind of you know I felt like such a you know a, a sissy crying on that video or whatever but it is what it is yeah and it was real so no nah, dude i mean shoot well when Transworld first folded, Michael Lindsay yeah. had me on his podcast. And we we're talking about Transworld and everything, and then he throws this curveball. Hey, when your brother got hurt, how did it affect yeah. you? And I'm like sitting there, like doing the ugly cry, you know. Yeah. Like, but anyway, funny Jesse, like he set up those questions, and like he came into the shop and was like trying to get me to drink before the thing. He wanted to get me loosened up. He's like, "Oh, you're way too tense." And then yeah. he had written the questions out. And the way that he had written them were like all lighthearted and, and led me into something. And then it was like, boom, they hit me with that. So that's kind of was like, yeah, oh, wow. All right, this just got real. Yeah, it is awesome to see where he is in his life right now. Yeah. He, he got married and has found a passion for the, uh, the yeah. razor racing and all that. Yeah, he, um, yeah, I think that's great for him. Um, kind of gives him a, a goal and something to, to kind of work for and work mm -hmm. towards and and take his time away so he's not just sitting there moping all day and things like that so um i think he's making some progress with polaris and mm -hmm. um 
I think he's going to do some stuff for him next year, some racing and things like that. Yeah. I think that's good. It's awesome. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, but we're going to talk about 2020 when we come back. I've been with FXR for you know going on four years now. It's uh, a small company starting out. It's growing really quickly, so it's uh, nice to be a part of those guys. Don't try to be the fastest on the track. Be the fastest ever. Work harder than everyone else. Because dedication is everything. If they say your goals are crazy, be insane. Be fast. Be the crazy one. Be unstoppable. One goal, one vision. We have four colors right now. Retails for $28.95 at odigrips.com and of course, your favorite retailer. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Welcome back to the Swap Motor Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. Uh, Jordan Troxel is here with me. And uh, okay, so from that time with Jesse and Alex at, at Troy Lee KTM, you got the call to become uh, a Red Rider guy, right? So you got the call to Team Honda. Yep. And you were paired with Cole Seeley, who you're familiar with, yep. obviously. Um, that had to be an exciting time in your career to get called up to Team Honda because it's kind of like, Everyone in motocross looks at. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a really good opportunity for me. Um, at the end of the, um, what was that, 18 season, I was kind of wanting to make a change. You know, I'd, I'd been at, at one place for, for eight seasons, and um, I was just kind of hadn't really done a whole lot of searching and looking around, and, and I finally did. And then um, I actually almost tried to go to JGR with, 
with Alex, mm -hmm. and then um, Rich, Sealy's old mechanic at Honda, who I had worked with for several years at yeah. TOD, yeah. called me and kind of filled me in on what he had going on and said, hey, there's an opportunity maybe if I leave here, are you interested? And I said, absolutely. And and then, um, man, it, it snowballed quick. And once he made his decision, it, it allowed me to get right in there. And mm -hmm. um, it, it was really cool for him to kind of give that that nod to me that says, hey, like I want to leave and I want you to be the guy to replace me. So, that, yeah. you know, me and Rich have a great, great relationship. So, um, and then, you know, within two weeks I had been there, done the interview and did the paperwork and was getting started. So mm -hmm. it was really cool to, to just kind of have it transition that smoothly. Yeah, I think it was probably important for Rich because Rich and Cole were so close yeah. from working together forever, right? Yeah. It was important for him to kind of handpick the guy that was going to take care of his guy and yeah, it, make sure Cole's comfortable. Yeah, and um, I knew Cole from, you know, TOD Honda yeah. days. So, um, but I knew it was going to be tough because Cole and Rich had been together for 10 years. So mm -hmm. they kind of had this, this really unique bond that, yeah. you know, I just knew I wasn't going to be able to replace, but just try to go in there and, and do my best and, and get the job done. And um, I knew it was going to be a questionable year for Cole coming in. It was a mm -hmm. one-year contract. It was after a big injury. Um, so I just, you know, wanted to be there and give him what he needed to, mm -hmm. to get through, and um, you know, he ultimately made the decision to retire. And yeah. I don't think anybody can really fault him for that. Um, kind of what he'd been through and where he was at with his career. Mm -hmm. I think it was a, a really good move on on his part to. Yeah, go I out. think it was super, I, I guess, mature of Cole yeah. to like, just say, "Hey, I've done it. I'm going to yep. walk away. I'm healthy." Yeah, for sure. I, I think, especially what I going through with Jesse and, and seeing how yeah. his career ended and things like that for, for Cole to be able to make that decision on his own. And and only those guys can make that. People criticize them, but you're not the one on the bike or on the starting mm -hmm. line. So if you start going to the starting line and, and you're having bad thoughts, you're thinking, I don't want to do this rhythm or I don't want to be here, then if your head's not in, it's time to call it. So Yeah, I think so. Um, it's funny because I, uh, I was doing a photo shoot for Troy Lee for the 2020 gear and Cole's at, we were at Glen Helen partway through the season. And just from like talking to him and looking at him, I was like, he's going to retire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did he speak to you about it? I can kind of tell, I'd say halfway through Supercross without him saying anything, mm -hmm. kind of was getting the vibe. And then, um, it was funny right before he went to Florida and, and hurt his shoulder, which ultimately ended his outdoor season. We had kind of talked about it at milestone one day and, um, you know, I was in communication with Rich. Rich was still close with him, and I told Cole, I was just like, hey, man, I don't know what you have going on or, or where you're at, but don't worry about me and my position in the team. Like, I want you to make the decision that's right for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, he was actually like, hey, I'm, it's actually what I'm thinking about doing. And I was like, hey, man, I, I support it. Like, whatever you need to do. And then literally like the next week, he went to Florida and popped the shoulder yeah. out and was done for the series. So Has it, has it been... Uh... <laughs> fun for you to see how how much he's cutting loose now that he's retired <laughs> i think he's just making up for, yeah. for 10 years of being a professional athlete and um that's that's his choice i'm glad he's having fun and you know he's kind of making his own brand and and doing what he wants to do which yeah. i think is awesome <laughs> i love it when he hangs out with buttery and just <laughs> yeah he goes a little bit wild out, yeah. yeah but uh, okay so was there a, a sketchy transition period? Like, I mean, obviously you end up with Ken Roxon, which is like, kind of like scratching a good lotto ticket, right? <laughs> but 
were you worried like what what was going to happen with you at Honda? Um, no, I was never really worried about my position. I just didn't know where I was going to end up or who I would be working for mm -hmm. type of situation. Um, you know, the thing with with Ken and and his mechanic was, you know, kind of talked about during the summer, and um, I was just kind of you know waiting to see you know what the team and what what Ken was going to decide on and. Um, you know, however you, you want to look at it, right place, right time, or mm -hmm. or whatever, um, you know, the opportunity came about, and I was able to get the position, so I was mm -hmm. really excited, and um, kind of, usually September's pretty slow, but it ended up being pretty wide open for us, we were trying to get those two strokes ready for straight rhythm. Yeah, right, that was crazy. Um, has it been a good, smooth transition to Kenny? I mean, you guys getting along well? Yeah, um, we got similar personalities, so, um, you know, just being in the truck with him and, and watching the way that he worked last year and everything, I was, you know, kind of paying attention and taking notes and things like that. And so that, you know, if this opportunity ever did come up, I'd kind of have an idea of what's going on. And mm. um, so anyway, that first month is just going over all the race reports from last year and just trying to study Ken's bike and Ken's settings and things mm -hmm. like that. And um, laying in bed, watching all the races, trying to, you know, make notes with races and mm -hmm. setting reports mm -hmm. and things like that. So. I just had the knowledge and could hit the ground running when Ken got out here to, to start testing and things like yeah. that. Is his setup a lot different than Cole's? Um, not a lot, no. Mm -hmm. um, Ken just runs a different, not a different chassis package, it's just a lot stiffer. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of just me adjusting my eye to that and just kind of watching you know, what bothers him and, and being able to pick that stuff out mm -hmm. and just trying to suit my eye to to what he feels and what he wants. Is. Yeah. Is it tough to learn how to watch your rider and watch what the bike's doing and come up with adjustments in your head before he even comes in and tells you what he thinks? Um, sometimes, yeah. Every time you get a new guy or whatever, um, it does. there is a, a period where you do kind of have to watch their riding style and, mm -hmm. and learn kind of what their inputs are and things like that. I mean, all these guys ride the bike a little bit differently. so. Um, you know, some of them are neutral, some weight the front, some weight the rear. So you got to kind of take that into effect as far as what the bike's doing and, and where they're going to be on it and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, if there's a there's a transition period, a training period where you have to train your eye for each guy and what's his input or what is the bike doing situation. So, mm -hmm. And it's just time at the track, just, just watching them type of situation. Yeah. So you have to be super excited about the potential that 2020 has, yeah. you know, new rider, like obviously the fan favorite that everyone wants to see win <laughs> yeah. and everything. Um, you're in a great spot in your career, right? You're yeah. like with the team that everyone regards yep. as, you know, the big team. You got the rider. Yep. You have to be really happy with uh, the opportunities that motocross has provided you. Yeah, for sure. I was just a, a small town kid in, in Virginia who just grew up racing and um, you know, my, my parents did a lot for me to, to try to make sure I had whatever I wanted growing up and, you know, just tell me I could, if I want to go to be a, a motorcycle mechanic, like, absolutely, we support you, we'll help you out. And to think that, you know, now I'm here on, on the biggest team and uh, arguably probably one of the best riders in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and just to have that opportunity and be trusted with that is, is pretty amazing. So I don't take it lightly, you know, it's one of those things where, um, I still try to have a personality and, 
and be myself and who mm -hmm. I am, but there's also a very serious work side of, to it as well. And, um, you know, a lot of people in this industry, there's a lot of late hours and things like that. And um, when everything's turned off in a way, like mine's kind of always going as to what's next and, and trying to make things better. But yeah, it's, it's great to be in this position. And, you know, if 15 years ago you told me I would be here, I would have probably laughed at you, but yeah, um, I'm just gonna try to bust my butt and make the most of it. Cool. Well, hey buddy, thanks for coming on. Um, it was hard to get you here, but I'm glad we finally did. But <laughs> Sorry, dude, thanks, thanks for coming on, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, thanks, Don. And uh, yeah, so uh, be sure to check out SwapMotoLive.com for more great content. And uh, say hi to this guy at the Supercross next year. Thanks for watching. <laughs>